This is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, your media hub for all things Black business and related news, strategy, and events. Greetings, 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 greetings. Welcome, 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 and thank you for choosing Black Wall Street Today. I am your host, Blair Durham. Always excited to share with you all. I have the great pleasure of leading Black Brand, our region's Black Chamber of Commerce. And often I get the question, why does a region need a Black Chamber of Commerce? It's so many other business associations and uh, organizations that are supporting businesses. What is the need? What's the utility for a Black Chamber? I tell them black businesses have different needs. Uh, they need access to capital, they need access to education, uh, access to networking resources. And so we're laser focused on supporting businesses from an equity lens. So again, just super excited to get to do, get to do the work that we do every day. This past Tuesday, we awarded $25,000 in grants to five deserving Black-owned businesses who uh, completed our B-Force Accelerator program. Uh, it's just it's just another part of the blessing of the work that we get to do. So I'd invite anyone who's interested in maybe uh, getting some additional support and resources for their businesses to visit our website, blackbrand.biz. The B-Force Accelerator application portal is open. Uh, the next classes begin in February. If you live in Norfolk or if your business is located in Norfolk, we'll be super excited to work with you. You have to be in business for two years in order to access the program. There is a revenue threshold of $2 million. So if you're already exceeding $2 million in annual revenue, you're not eligible for the program. But otherwise, we would look forward to being able to assist you with your accounting needs, your marketing needs your legal needs. We really want to help you prepare those financials so that you too can access capital, whether it's grants, loans, uh, equity capital. We've got resources and we want to put those resources in your hands so that you can continue scaling your business on your terms. Without further ado, I want to announce today's guest. I'm excited about the conversation that we're going to have with Luke Manhaskett. He is the owner of Dapper Luke. Uh, he's a custom clothier. He's very passionate about men's fashion and sharing his love and style with young men. He's hosted several workshops on dressing professionally to both young men and adults. Additionally, he's also hosted numerous events in the area that bring out the fashion elite. Dapper Luke is a true believer that the ultimate goal in life should be to find a way or rather to find what you're passionate about and find a way to make a living doing it. In 2019, Dapper Luke officially launched his custom suit line, Dapper Luke Collection. The collection focused on bringing unique suit colors and styles to both men and women. After retiring from the military in January of 2020, Luke opened Dapper Luke Custom Clothier Showroom in Virginia Beach, Virginia. In August 2022, Dapper Luke opened his second Dapper Luke Custom Clothier Showroom in Baltimore, Maryland. Welcome to the show, Dapper Luke. How are you? I am great. Thank you very much. Um, it's a great honor to be here. <laughs> yes, and I am honored to have you as a guest. Uh, super excited about just the brand that you've established, the energy around fashion. Uh, you, you just do a, a wonderful job. And so I'm hopeful today we can talk a little bit about the process of 
starting a brand, growing a bit brand, particularly during the pandemic. I know that uh, presented a number of challenges, but you were able to overcome those challenges. So let's talk a little bit about your journey as you began the Dapper Luke Custom Claudia brand. Okay. So, you know, part of the bio that you read for me talked about finding the thing that you're passionate about and then finding a way to make money. So that whole idea for me came from reading a book called Mastery by Robert Greene. Robert Greene is the same gentleman that wrote 48 Laws of Power, Art of Seduction. He has a book called Mastery. So in about 2012, I was with the Marines out in Afghanistan. I read this book and it just kind of really made me think, you know, the military is something I'm doing now, but it's not something I plan on doing forever. And when I do make that transition, what am I going to do? So Dapper Luke, the name, the brand was a blogger in 2014. That's kind of how I first got into the world of fashion. And then from blogging, I became a model. Uh, I was a stylist for a couple years. I uh, actually mentored, uh, or should I say I was an apprentice underneath of Clavin Lennox, who's a designer out of New York. And he's the one that really, really got me, you know, I guess opened my eyes, you know, to what fashion can be. Uh, I traveled with him to South Africa, Ghana. We went to Bangladesh, Algeria. And he just kind of really put me in a lane to think that, okay, there, there's a way you can actually be financially stable, you know, and be in the world of fashion. But at first, you know, I didn't really know how I would make money in fashion. Um, and kind of getting back to your original question about, you know, the pandemic. So I opened my doors um, January of 2020, and I was going to use my, what is now my showroom as an office. And after mm. being in an office for two months, I'm sorry? No, no, just echoing. I'm listening. Oh. (laughs) So being in that office for two months and then the world entering into a, you know, the pandemic where we shut down, I kind of had to figure out a way to be able to make money. So I, you know, shifted from an office to a showroom, one-on-one consultations, virtual consultations, um, just kind of doing anything I can to put myself in front of people, you know, during a time where people just weren't moving around. Yeah. And then from there, we are questions. able to. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Nope. Go ahead. You can ask your question. Now, I wanted to ask, because you mentioned Robert Greene. He's one of my favorite authors as well. I have not had a chance to really do a deep dive uh, into the book Mastery. What would you say are one or two key takeaways from that book? I'm certain it's chock full of information <laughs> that's uh, absolutely applied, but what are just a couple of those takeaways? So, like I said, the very first thing is, you know, kind of having a serious conversation with yourself. And asking, like, what is success? What is happiness? What do you like, right? A lot of people Mm. will let, you know, outside sources dictate to them what success is, whether it be your parents, it be professors. You know, a thing that I always hear is, you know, oh, you have the potential to do this. You have the potential to do that. But you have to then ask yourself, is that what I want to do? Even though I have the quote-unquote potential to do it, uh, am I actually going to enjoy doing it or is that success for me? 
right? So that's one thing I always ask my two boys. I, I ask that. them, you know, what is success for you? I am your father. I can guide. I can, you know, help. I can challenge you, but I don't know what success is for you. So in order to help you, you know, become successful, I have to know what you define as success. Um, that's one of the things that the book really kind of emphasized. Another thing is what I was talking about as far as apprenticeship. Um, in this world that we live in now, a lot of people have the mentality, okay, I go to school for a few years. Um, I graduated high school. I go to college. When I graduate from college, I have this degree. I just enter the world and I make all this money. Um, there was a period of time where school, as we traditionally know it, did not exist. If you wanted to get into a profession, you had to find somebody in that profession and become their apprentice and learn the trade. And then when you, you know, were at a level where you felt comfortable, you could open up your own. That was leather making, that was, you know, barbering, all those professions, you started out as a intern. And that's kind of how I got into the world of fashion. I found a mentor, um, someone who, again, you know, showed me things that I had not even thought about. Um, when I launched my very first collection, I debuted in Algeria, uh, in Africa. I never would have had that thought if it had just been me. You know, I kind of had to have that mentor even put that idea into my head. You know, when I said I was going to come out with my first collection, he said, well, let's go to Africa and do it. What? You know, but, you know, he, he wow. put the idea and we did it. Congrats to you. I, I'm, I'm super impressed because um, I think about the world of fashion and I think about kind of the relationship between the work that you're doing and how it supports the business professional. Um, oftentimes, you know, I've heard it said that the bigger folks get as they, as they climb the corporate ladder or as they really advance from an entrepreneurial standpoint, the less time they really have to dedicate to kind of some of these uh, more important things. Right. And so I'd love to hear ways in which you're working with professionals to help them with their uh, imaging, to help them develop their brand presence uh, from a standpoint of their wardrobe. Mm -hmm. So for me, I always feel like what you wear is your way of speaking to the world without saying anything. Right. When you first walk into a room, you know, your clothing and how you look, you know, your mannerisms are what speak first before you even open your mouth. So I think it's very important to kind of understand that, you know, whenever you put on something, right? In addition to that, right, it, it has to almost be a confidence factor as well. You have to be very confident, you know, with certain looks and, you know, just kind of having the understanding of that. It's one thing that I love, you know, I, I, Every day I, you know, sit down with individuals who may or may not wear suits or professional clothing, and I just have conversations of, you know, what is the image you're trying to portray? Um, what are some, you know, yeses, what are some noes when it comes to colors, styles, patterns, things like that. And then once we kind of have that understanding, then we can put together a wardrobe or a garment, you know, for that individual. Uh, me as a person that's in fashion, I, again, understand that, Although I'm comfortable wearing, doing, and seeing certain things, I am not my client. You know, I, I just have to take what they are comfortable with 
and then put out a garment that, you know, sometimes they want to stand out. So they don't necessarily want to, they just want to look professional. But again, that all starts with a conversation. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Also, too, um, I know there, you know, there are individuals who are, um, they're career switching, they're making decisions, particularly in this season, about what the next year, the next several years of their lives are going to look like. Um, what would you say to someone that is interested in becoming a part of the fashion industry? Well, definitely, you know, if you are able to come underneath of someone that's already in it, I think that's a good thing. Um, because, again, you know, someone that's already in it, someone that's already established, they can put you in front of people. You can see things in a way that you would not have necessarily seen. It's kind of coming in with the naked eye. Um, I did do 22 years in the Navy, and one of the very important things we used to always tell people is, you know, you don't know what you don't know, you know, so you kind of have to be exposed to things first. Then you can draw conclusions, questions, and things like that. And it helps if you go with somebody who's already been in the industry uh, to kind of put you in those you know, situations. And then you can then ask questions to that person. So anytime you're going to do a career change, anytime you're going to do something that's like, you know, unfamiliar to you, find someone that's already doing it, and then, you know, go to as many things as you can. Like you said, networking events, fashion shows, all those different things that definitely help you if you decide to come to the world of fashion. So I've got to ask this question because I appreciate the piece about apprenticeship, right? But I wonder, is fashion the type of industry that is so competitive to where, you know, if you're going to approach someone and say, hey, I'm looking to do what it is that you do, is that something that they're going to be receptive to and just, oh, yeah, take you under their wing and, and groom what would be their competition? particularly in a market like Hampton Roads? Like what, what's your thought on that? Mm. Well, so I'll just say this. Every person is different, right? Um, sure. I kind of look at it. You have, to, you have to approach people. Well, this is the one thing I'll say, right? I, I, I understand what you're saying. Like, I don't know this person from a can of paint. Then I come and say, hey, I want to be your apprentice, right? Uh, sometimes you have to be introduced to that person by someone that you already know. Or you have to reach out, you know, with a different angle. But the one thing I'll say, right, with any industry, there is competition, right? But just because there is competition, right, does not mean that we can't all work together. I look at it, you know, as the real estate market to me is one of the friggin' most full markets I see. And I see people every day applying to real estate classes, right? So, you know, the world, there's so many homes out there and there's real estate agents every day. There's not as many claw beers and folks in fashion as there are people in real estate, but you see people in real estate all the time and they're able to grow. They have mentors, they have training. So any industry you go into, there's going to be competition, right? And it's just approaching the right people that you think can help you along your journey. And to be honest with you, sometimes seeing the wrong people, right? You don't you don't always want to see the good. You need to see the bad as well. You know, I when I was doing my modeling, I ran into some bad folks that were, you know, running fashion shows and 
you know, doing model management. But I had to see that to know what was bad. You just can't always see the good. It can't always be, you know, rainbows and sunshine. You need to see some bad. And, you know, approaching a person that may be, you know, abrasive, that's necessary. Because, again, even when you get into the world of fashion and you're out here and you're competing, you know, it's not always good. So, you know, running into people that are not nice or don't, you know, want to help out, that's necessary in just the growth of any business uh, as a business person. Yeah, I want to double down on something that you said. Um, I, I really believe that the business, particularly business success, it inspires competition, right? And it doesn't mean that everybody's not going to win in the space. You know, you use the example about the real estate industry. I like to use the example of fast food. You know, you, you look at uh, on, on one, on any given corner, there's a McDonald's, there's a Burger King, there's a Rally's, a Wendy's. Everybody's got their thing that they do really, really well. And everybody, you know, everybody makes money, right? And so we need not mm-hmm. fear competition. But I do think it is the case that as we get into a thing, we find our niche, right? We find our thing that mm-hmm. we do better. And, and and ultimately, we can succeed. So I really appreciate you you sharing that. I also appreciate what you shared about collaboration, right, and, and pipelining. Because I can imagine, Luke, you have to tell me if this is true, if there is a network of folks in your industry, then that means that if there's something that they can't do, they pass it on to you and vice versa. And you guys are Absolutely. serving advertising partners for one another. Yes. Um, for me, as a designer, everything I do is custom. Right? I don't have anything off the rack. But one of my business, I guess, peers, upscale men's fashion, they do off the rack, meaning you can go into their store and pull a suit off the rack. I don't do that. So people will come to them and say, hey, I want a custom suit. They refer me. Someone calls me. This literally just happened this week. Hey, I want to rent a suit tomorrow. I don't rent suits, but here's upscale men's fashion. They rent suits. So, you know, like you said, I don't have to do everything within my industry, but I have those that I trust and I feel comfortable recommending when a client comes to me and vice versa. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. So 20 years in the military prior to embarking on this entrepreneurship journey, what are some of the transferable skills? Um, you talked about, you talked about one piece, you know, you don't know what you don't know, but what are some of the things that particularly black brand looks to work with more veterans in the coming year? What are some of the things that you're able to kind of say, absolutely my service in the military prepared me for this aspect of entrepreneurship? So, for me, when we were in the military, right, a big thing that we did was schedules and planning, right? So I am very big on I get up in the morning, you know, get me and my daughter up together, get her on the road as far as, you know, her school bus. Uh, I go to the gym. I try to work out three to four times a week, definitely a military thing. Uh, and then just having a consistent schedule, right? As a business owner, as a person who, you know, you are the person, 
There's no one that's going to say, hey, this is due or we got to do this. You have to kind of be self-motivated. And having schedules, planning, that is definitely a thing I pull from the military and I apply to my business every single day, uh, as well as setting goals. Um, you know, within the military, goal setting is a big part of what we do as far as our planning and then kind of what is the goals that we have to pull from this particular exercise or whatever that was we're doing. And then finally, um, looking back and getting those lessons learned, right? People will say, you know, oh, I messed up and I'm going to quit. No, in my opinion, you know, I think that it's possible to do what I call fail forward, right? If something does not work, if something does not, you know, pan out the way that you want it to, take the lessons from that and then reapply it in a way that will work or try something else, right? You know, you just can't, you can't be successful if you don't, you know, see, like I say, the good and the bad, and you have to be able to apply them. Um, I know for me, uh, in 2020, uh, it was a lot of things that I tried and just due to the nature of what was going on in the world, they just weren't working, but that didn't stop me. I didn't give up and throw my hands in the air. I took those lessons. I changed some processes and I just adapted to what the world was giving me at the time. Yeah, I love it. You talked about discipline, right? Um, really that scheduling piece, um, kind of having that routine, so important, you know, and I, I harp on this. Folks think they're going to enter entrepreneurship any kind of way, you know, that success mm-hmm. is going to come to them and they're going to be able to spend more time off than on. And so I just love hearing <laughs> you say that the reality is you know, if you hadn't had that routine, hadn't had that planning, hadn't had that consistency in the way you do things, you know, there's a very good chance that you wouldn't be in business right now. Um, I also loved hearing you say the piece about introspection, the, the failing forward, being able to take that time and authentically examine what took place so you can understand what went wrong so that you can make the adjustments necessary. I think entrepreneurship offers that more so than any other career path is the ability to, um, because no one's going to fire you (laughs) as an entrepreneur, right? Um, So so we have an opportunity, a unique opportunity to, to look at who we are, look at what we've been, um, and then and then make that plan and move ahead. I love that. So so what's on your docket, Dapper Luke, for twenty twenty three? What's what's coming up in the year ahead? Where can we find you? Um, share with us. So the biggest thing in twenty twenty three for me is I definitely want to get back into traveling. Um, I kind of have a goal of doing one international show per quarter in twenty twenty three. All right, so that's kind of one thing. Uh, in addition to that, you know, I do have my second location in Baltimore, um, which is run primarily by my brother. So I want to kind of be able to empower my brother to push that store. I'll be the first one to say my brother and I, although we look alike, everyone thinks that we're twins, uh, we don't think alike and we don't have the same driving factors. So trying to be able to push him in a way that, you know, it doesn't seem like I'm overbearing, but I'm allowing him 
to grow into his own way. Um, that's important to me. So I've, you know, done some networking events, and I have things that I'm planning on for the Maryland store to kind of get help with him to grow into that position as a business owner. And then also, um, you know, just kind of beyond 2023, I do want to open up a third location. So, you know, part of this journey right now is seeing does my process work. My process has worked for me. Uh, I then want to see does the process work for my brother. And if I'm able to take the lessons learned from my own store, my brother's store, I can then apply it to hold, you know, maybe bringing in somebody else that is outside the family and knowing that the system has worked and uh, we can apply it to that third location. Yeah, beautiful. How do we get in contact with you now for those of us that may be interested in scheduling an appointment, a consultation, maybe we want a custom suit in the new year? Um, How can you be reached, Luke? The quickest way is through my website, uh, Luke, and that's L-U-Q, P-A-T-T-E-R-L-U-Q dot com. That's how you can schedule a consultation. Uh, you can also call me. My phone number is available on the website. Uh, and if you have the ability to, you know, look me up on social media, I usually respond to anyone on social media. All of my social handles are Dapper Luke, P-A-P-P-E-R-L-U-Q, and that's the quickest way to get hold of me. Perfect. In the couple minutes that we have remaining, I'd love to hear more about the blog. So are you still blogging? I know that was kind of your foray into uh, what you're doing now, but are you still doing any blogging? I don't do any blogging uh, in the sense that I was, um, but what I do do, you know, what social media does give the ability to, um, you know, speak to your audience, you know, through words, through videos, through photos. So I'm definitely still, you know, trying to put out what I consider my take on fashion, my take on business, my take on, you know, just kind of being a man here in America. But I just don't do it in the traditional blogs. I do it mostly on my social media networks whenever I'm doing any type of uh, discussions or putting out my take on fashion. Yeah, I'm looking at your page now. Uh, definitely some inspiring content. I know that you have a couple of events coming up. You've got something happening in Elizabeth City on January 7th. Uh, talk to us about that. That's a trunk show? What, is, what does this mean? Not quite a fact. So basically. Not, what, what's the format? <laughs> so one thing that I learned, and this is also something that, you know, you in business have to just always be on the lookout for you know, how can you expand yourself? So uh, I had two clients that came up from Elizabeth City looking for custom suits. So, you know, in my head, I'm like, okay, so you came up from Elizabeth City an hour away to have me make you a custom suit. Is there not one of me down there where you are? And they said, no. So I said, okay, well, let me go down there, open up, in a specific location and let everybody know that I'm here that way they can come to me in Elizabeth City. So I actually know a member of the school board down in Elizabeth City reached out to him and said, hey, can you get me a location that I can just set up shop who can come to me and place custom suit orders. So it's just ability for me to go down to an area where there's not one of me and offer my services for a full day. Yeah, love it. So what is the uh, average budget 
for a custom seat, Dapaloop. What would you potentially spend <laughs> if you wanted to go the custom suit route? <laughs> hey, Blair, I'm yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just curious. You know, I would, I would, I would budget about a thousand dollars. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> Some of us can do it. Some of us can't. You yeah, know, yeah, absolutely. But, but, and the, the, the one thing I'll say when it comes to you know that budget, you know, first and foremost, it's it's the education piece, right? Because you're absolutely right. You know, you can a lot of times go to a store that has, you know, suits on the yeah, rack and you may pay, you know, half of that, right? But a lot of my clients, they want a very unique look, right? Which is unavailable mm-hmm. off the rack. And then some of them just based off of their size. Yeah, they want that experience of really having something tailored on them. We are out of time, Dapper Luke. This has been amazing. I want to thank you so much for being a part of today's show. It's DapperLuke.com. So that's D-A-P-P-E-R-L-U-Q.com. You can take a look at his content on social media. Amazing content there. Hey, and thank you for tuning in to Black Wall Street today, where we're building minds building connections and forging the path ahead toward business success. Stay with us online at Black Wall Street Today on Facebook and Black Wall Street Today on Instagram. And then follow us on Twitter as well at BWS Today. We look forward to talking again next week. Have a wonderful week. I have said and I will continue to say that the most important priority for the black community is the black community not a particular political party. Hey, yo, when I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black Wall Street. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black. Uh, black Wall Street.